Peace to you. Welcome back to the Naked Truth and thank you for joining me. We pick up what we left off in the book of Isaiah. We made it to chapter 4. This looks like a short one. So without further ado, let's begin with verse 1. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. So like we were reading in the previous chapter, um, some of the things that were prophesied to the people then already came to pass, and yet they seem to apply to modern times now. And that's why I think many preachers will amplify, as they call it, the prophecies given to the people by back then to try to apply them to modern times. And in some cases, they fit. This one fits. Um, this is one, this prophecy in verse one, it's basically saying there's going to be a surplus of women more than men, and that it's gonna and the women. It's it sounds to me like the women's lib movement um, a lot. Like it. it's basically women saying they're gonna do their own thing. They aren't gonna bother with trying to find a man. They aren't gonna bother with trying to uh, take some man's name. They aren't gonna try and bother with being a wife or a housewife or being um, any of that stuff traditionally expected of them. Uh, the gender roles assigned to women by society, um, generally speaking. They aren't going to do that. Instead, what they're going to do, according to the prophecy, is they're going to find a man just to take his name and keep people off their back so that people won't hassle them about not being married, not having kids, or not anything else that society would expect of them. So marriage is a convenience, just like in modern times where people pretend to be in love, but it's just for appearances, particularly usually people with money because um, the guy can't be seen without some woman on his arm. He won't be trusted by the other people in his on his level uh, with their wives and whatnot. Uh, when in reality, it's probably the husbands that the wives should be looking out for. Just my guess. Um, but that's what it's saying in verse one that the women are going to do their own thing, and the only thing they're going to need from men is their name, and they're only going to need the name just uh, so they won't be hassled, so they won't be bothered about being a single woman who's too bossy or um, all of that. Verse 2, in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. <laughs> so it's sort of a mixed statement there. Um, Isaiah's letting the people, that's what he's talking, by the way. This book is called Isaiah. It's Isaiah's prophecy to the people, uh, letting them know, um, even though we read in verse chapter 3, the previous chapter, how terrible things are going to get for people, how rough it's going to get, and that it's because of their own faithfulness. And this chapter seems to be about renewal, rejuvenation, restoration, and that it wasn't a complete end to the people, that there's some hope left. And so when it says the branch of the Lord, it's in caps. So presumably it's talking about the Savior, talking about Jesus, um, but not necessarily, but it's that seems to be what's implied there. Um and for those who of Israel who have escaped, meaning not everybody's going to make it. But those who do make it are going to have reason to rejoice. Verse 3, And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. So it seems Isaiah is saying anyone who survives those times that we've read about in the previous chapter, where people are going to be wiped out, men and women, um, but for the people, the remnant left that survive it, 
they're going to be happy. They're going to be um, counted as holy. People are going to think of them as a holy people, which, again, these prophecies applied to people back then, and they seem to be true even now. Because Jerusalem's looked at, Israel, Palestine is looked at as a holy land, even though it seems to be war there continually from biblical times till now, with breaks in between the war every now and again. Uh, verse 4, when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from the mist by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. So Isaiah is saying that a time is coming when uh, the land, Jerusalem, Zion, will be cleansed. Cleansed of all the bloodshed. Because, again, it's been there have been wars there since biblical times to modern times. Um, but it seems there's hope. And a day is coming where all of that filth, because that's what it is, it's filthy. You can't command it, thou shalt not kill. And yet you have religion after religion after religion, killing people, massacring people, genociding people, if that's even a word. And then doing it in the name of God. That's another prophecy of Jesus coming true. And people who do those things, prophecy, will think that they offer God's service. And they think they're doing God's duty in doing those things. They consider it a holy war and that they're on the righteous side of it. When in reality, it seems to me, it's all wickedness. All of it. Because the command is, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet. So if you're coveting someone else's land as your own, whether it's America or another country that allies with America, coveting some area that's just not theirs, that's theft. And then you want to colonize it and occupy it and mistreat and abuse and even murder and massacre the people that live there, again, America, but also some of its allies, and then think that that's righteous, think that's godly, and think God's on your side for that? Possibly, but it definitely goes against everything that God in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament says. It just does. So it doesn't make sense that you could think that that's righteous. It just doesn't. And then at the bottom, at the end of the day, would you want it done to you? Would you want someone seeing what you have and saying, oh, I want that, taking it from you and occupying it and then putting you out and making you watch as they prosper in it? I don't think anybody would want that. And yet people think it's okay to do it to someone else, usually because they don't look like them, sadly enough. But um, it is what it is. It's nothing new. Verse 5, then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies, a cloud and smoke by day, and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory, there'll be a covering. So this seems to be a moment in the future. Maybe not. Maybe there's another way to interpret this. It's saying that there's going to be a time where uh, there'll be a, a protection, basically. Cloud and smoke by day. Shining with flaming fire by night, that's reminiscent of the Exodus narrative, what we read. When the people were emancipated from enslavement in Africa, led by God through Moses, according to narrative, to where they are now, um, where their descendants are now. Um, similarly, it seems that his father is saying of the people were led when they were emancipated by that pillar of cloud to help uh, uh, uh soothe them through the deserts and the wilderness during the day and a pillar of fire by night so that they could see and not just be wandering around in darkness according to narrative obviously they're all articles of faith but it's what it reads is what they were supplied 
Um, and that's how they traveled for those 40 years. It seems similarly, Isaiah is saying there's going to be a similar cover um, over the people then. And it may sound like um, it's unbelievable or, you know, fantastical, something impossible to believe. But when you apply it to modern times, because this is a future prophecy here, um, um, not just necessarily to the people of Isaiah's time, it, if you apply it to modern times, Israel absolutely has that now. It has a cover by day and a cover by night. It's called an iron dome, iron shield, or something like that. It's what they use to protect them, uh, use for war. When they're being attacked, missiles uh, heading their way, they have that iron dome, iron shield, I forget which one it is, to shoot them down, to protect them, shoot them down. Um, so in a sense, this has come true. Um, a flaming fire by night. It doesn't mean just necessarily a pillar like the people in Exodus. It could mean those war machines firing off armor, armament to destroy bombs, which is exactly what's happening there now and been happening again and again and again for a long, long time. Um, verse 6, And there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and rain. So um, the people are going to be uh, comforted is what it sounds like it's going to, it, it's what they have to look forward to, that they won't be just left to the elements, um, but have some protection, some shelter, some refuge from the elements, from the storm, from the rain, from the dangers of life that surround them. So this could, again, this could apply to the people in the past when they um, went through the different things they went through, the diaspora, and then um, made it back to the so-called promised land by the time of Jesus' ministry. Or it could be amplified to apply, if you're going to amplify, you could apply it to modern times or, um, or even to the future beyond now, like end times, um, of where people will be comforted and not have to worry about the dangers of the elements all around them, including even just the uh, natural elements, like uh, it says, tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat, um, like uh, climate change, like the changes in the weather, the changes in the sea, the changes in the air, the changes in the land. The people are apparently, according to verse 6, going to have some protection from all those different elements that they're going to be facing um, and be comforted. That was the last verse. I told you it was a short one. So that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. Hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. Love you. God bless you. I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.